Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 168 for the 8th of ER and a leap year. So today we're going to talk about the concept of sacredness, what it means when we say that something is sacred. And often, a phrase that's often thrown around a lot, even in the secular world, even in the non-Jewish world, even in the Christian world, different religions, there's this concept that people understand that there's something sacred about marriage. So what does that mean exactly? So it's people say it a lot. They say, oh, yes, the the union of a man and a wife is very sanctified. It's It's holy. What does that mean exactly? And in order to understand this, we actually have to come to an understanding of what we mean when we say that something is sacred. What, what does that mean? So in this case, which is often the case in a lot of situations like this, we can look at the Hebrew word for sacred or for holy, and it can give us a hint as to what is going on and what it's all about. Because the Hebrew language is very descriptive and is very deep, and the words are not merely just like words that we use in kind of like this haphazard way that we need to have categorizations for things, but rather they hold the true meaning of the word in the word itself. So the word for sacred or for holy in Hebrew is kadosh. And kadosh is an interesting word because it not only does it mean sacred, but it also connotes the idea of separation, of being separate from something, which is why interestingly, there's something which is very not sacred, which is also termed by the phraseology of Kadosh. So a, a harlot, a prostitute is called uh, Kadesha, which sounds very much like Kadosh, right? So what is this about? Why would we use the same word for harlot or a similar type of word for harlot, harlot uh, for something that is holy? And this is because there is this connection between the word Kadosh and the word separation. And we can see this very obviously if you think about the things in your life that you hold sacred. So even if we're not talking about people necessarily, but we're just talking about different objects, like think about an object that you might have. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry. Maybe it's an article of clothing. Maybe it's uh, something you collect, uh, something very expensive that you have, special china dishes, whatever it is. We all have different things in our lives that we hold to be sacred. Maybe it's a picture of some of a beloved person to you. So these things that you hold to be sacred, what do you do with them? Do you wear them every single day? I mean, maybe, but <laughs> they, uh, they, we find that if we overuse certain things, like if, if we have a certain article of clothing that we find to be sacred, if we wear it every single day, it's going to lose some of its sacredness. We might still really like it, but I don't know if we'd necessarily call it sacred. There's this idea of when something is sacred, when we have like 
even set like a really nice dishes like our china pieces. We don't use them every single day. We have them maybe on display in a nice case that's covered up. Maybe we'll take them out at, on special occasions. If we have a really expensive piece of jewelry, we often don't wear it unless it's like a very, very special occasion and we treat it with a lot of care. There are some people, in fact, who if the jewelry is expensive enough, they'll actually get a replica of the jewelry, like a cheap version of it, and then they'll just keep the expensive jewelry hidden away and they'll never wear it. So this is the extent of what we mean when we say that something is sacred. So how does this apply to marriage and what does this mean when it comes to marriage? So when we're talking about marriage and the reason why marriage is considered to be something sacred is because it also involves separation. It involves the fact, and this might sound not so politically correct, so be warned, but it's where a man chooses a wife and decides that she is sacred to him and he separates her from amongst all the other women and he takes her for himself. It doesn't mean obviously that the woman doesn't have a say and that she doesn't also have to be involved and she also chooses him and all of that. But the active role is really in the man. There's this idea that the man chooses the woman, the man chases after the woman and he he chooses her and he separates her. He makes her sacred. This is what is the deeper meaning of what's involved in the the marriage ceremony in Judaism when he says at that here you are sanctified to me you become sacred to me I am separating you from all other women and I'm making you mine you are now mine and so why are we talking about this what 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 is the concept of marriage how does it relate to Tanya well so in today's Tanya in today's portion we're actually going to be talking about this as well uh, but specifically in terms of God because we know that our relationship with God is very much like a marriage as well. And in this case, God is the man and God is the one who chose us. He chose us and he sanctified us. And this is what it means when we say that he chose the Jewish people and he made us holy. He made us into his holy nation. Is It means that he separated us from amongst all the other nations and he chose him for himself. Really very, very, very similarly to the way that a man chooses a wife and makes her her sanctified and separate for him. So let's get into the text and see how the altar explains this analogy and we can come to understand it in a deeper way. So we've actually already been talking about this in the chapter so far. Uh, and for context, we're in the, still in the middle of chapter 46. And it, it's been a lead up in this whole chapter has really been focusing on God's love for us and how the more we really get in tune with how much God loves us, this can actually really help us in loving God back because we talked about how it's a natural inclination to feel a sense of love towards somebody who loves you, especially if they express that love to you. And all the more so if that person is way above you in stature, like a king or something, and all the more so with God, who is like the king of all kings and is so infinite and everything. And we're just like these lowly people. So who are we to be worthy of this love like like who are we so it's it's this gratitude and this uh this this feeling of overflowing love that we can develop within ourselves towards God when we become aware of God's love towards us. So today we're really going to talk more about this love that God has towards us. Again, using that analogy of the husband and wife and about the how the husband specifically chooses the wife and makes her sacred to him. So the altar begins and he talks about how this specifically is why it is that we see that in Shir Hashirim. So Shir Hashirim is one of the books in the Bible that is filled with like this whole very romantic illustration. And it's very vivid, very visual of the romantic interaction of the intimacy between a man and a woman. And Shir Hashirim 
uh, was written by Shlomo HaMelech, and Shlomo HaMelech wrote this whole thing as an analogy for our relationship with God, for God's relationship with the Jewish people. And the and this is and, and this is why because this attachment between a, um, a husband and wife that involves kissing and hugging, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday. That how what is it if you get into a deeper level of understanding what is a kiss what is it a hug we talked about how so brief review is that a kiss there's the lips to lips that are contacting there's an exchange of breath and a hug is when the the arm the right arm embraces the entire body the left arm embraces the entire body and the bodies connect and we talked about how this relates in God in terms of our the mouth-to-mouth touching is when we speak words of Torah the exchange of breath is when we really try to understand Torah and the hug is when we actually do the mitzvah specifically the 248 positive commandments which have are divided into three types there's the types that stem more from the right side of kindness and giving the types that are more like justice oriented that are on the left side and then there are those things that involve more mercy and compassion and that's compared to the body and so when we perform all of god's mitzvahs that actually is a way of god hugging us so we talked about all that yesterday and so now the altar is continuing upon that and he's talking about this whole idea of the the kissing and hugging that are involved in really connecting and having the uh the husband and wife cleave to one another this is really related to our relationship with god and then the altar goes on and he says that this is actually what is meant by the phrase that we say often before we do a mitzvah we should we say that blessed are you god who he sanctified us with his mitzvahs. So just like basically that a, a man sanctifies his wife with a ring, God sanctified us with his mitzvahs. So what does this mean? This means that God actually raised us up to the to the level of the supernal holiness, the supernal sacredness, the Kodesh HaElyon it's called, um, which is the actual holiness of God himself in his true glory, in his true essence. And and now the altar is going to explain what this means. So this, I spoke about this a little bit in the introduction, the idea of kadosh, the idea of holy, the idea of sacred. What does that mean? So kadosh, kdusha, is related to the idea of havdalah, the idea of separation. So we know like, for example, havdalah, the ceremony of havdalah that we do after Shabbos, it's, it divides Shabbos, like it's it's basically saying that there's a division between Shabbos and the weekday, and we're we're making we're stating that we're stating that now we're entering into the weekday. It also is uh, just interesting insight when we do havdalah. It's supposed to be like a reminder to us to how much havdalah, how much separation is involved in Jewish life. That we are separate from non-Jewish people. We have separate dishes for meat and dairy there's kosher food there's not kosher food we can't eat everything in the in the world so there is a lot of separation involved in Judaism and this is related to the fact that because we are a holy nation because God separated us from amongst the other nations of the world this idea of separation is a really integral part of being Jewish of being holy and so the altar explains this and he says that uh, God himself is actually separate. God is the ultimate separation because he's very separate from all the world. He is in an aspect of sovev kolal, meaning he's this aspect of he surrounds all the worlds, meaning that he doesn't clothe himself within them. Like God is, you know, God is not bound by our worlds. God created the world. So he's separate in a certain way from all the worlds. And so now what happens is that when we perform God's mitzvahs, so when we connect our souls and 
uh, and to God and we have them become encompassed in this light of the infinite light of God, then we elevate ourselves to this level of being separate from the world. So we can actually tap into this separation of the world, this tap, this level of holiness of God himself. And how do we, how, how is it that we're able to do this? It's because we actually become connected to God and we become encompassed in God when we're doing God's mitzvahs. And this is what is meant, says the altar Abba, what by the, uh, by the verse, which this comes from Vayikra chapter 20, verse 26, which says, That you should be holy for me, because I am holy, your God, and I will separate you from the nations to be mine. So again, there's this connection here, a really strong connection between being holy and being separate. So God's telling us in this verse that he will make us holy. He will make us separate. Why? Because God is separate. God is holy. And so the way he's going to do this is by separating us from all the other nations. So just like, again, in the, in the idea of a marriage, when a man chooses his wife, that wife becomes one with him. And now she's separate from any other man. And then, again, there's another verse here that the altar brings. This time, uh, it's actually two verses from Bamidbar chapter 15 verses 40 and 41 where it says so again it's the same idea it says that you should do all of my mitzvahs and then you will thus you will be holy to God because I am God your God so through doing God's mitzvahs this uh this is how we become God's God so this is what makes us uh God's wife, so to speak. This is what makes us holy to God. What makes us separate and unified with God is through doing God's mitzvahs. And then the altar goes on to explain that we know that God is called the God of Abraham and the God of Yitzhak. And why was he called this? Because our patriarchs, our forefathers, they were, and we talked about this previously in the Tanya, they were chariots for God. They were, uh, they, their entire lives, they were totally nullified to him. They were totally encompassed in God's life. And so when we perform acts of Torah and mitzvahs, then even though we're not always in the state of being in a chariot for God, because we're not on that level of, of the forefathers, when we do God's Torah and mitzvahs, we actually do get into that our soul gets on that level or so our soul becomes chariots for God's light. And this is why, says the Ultra Rebbe, that the sages set it up that it is an obligation to get up and stand in front of anybody who's doing a mitzvah, even if he's a total ignoramus and he's just like a very low person, like an Am Haaretz is called in Hebrew. It's Am Haaretz is a difficult word to translate. It's like, it literally means a person of the land, which is kind of like just a very illiterate, uncultured kind of person. So even if this very ignorant, lowly person is doing a mitzvah and he's a lowly person. Nevertheless, the sages said we have to stand in front of such a person. Why? Because at that moment, God is actually dwelling and is vested inside of his soul. Just that his soul doesn't feel it. So he is still a very coarse person and he is still this very illiterate person. So he's not aware of the godliness that's right now being um, dwelling inside of his soul. And why is he not aware of it? Because there's this mask. There's this barrier of, uh, of materiality and physicality of his body that is not refined. So he's not a very refined person. And thus this darkens the light of the soul from seeing God. And 
but nevertheless, God is in there and God is vesting himself within this person at the time that he does a mitzvah. Just like the was the case with the forefathers, as it says about the forefathers, that they saw the world, they saw their world during their life. So what does that mean? It means that they saw the world to come during their lifetime. Like they were on such a high and refined level that they actually saw the world to come during this life now. So that's the end of this section. And so again, just to recap, what we learned about today is really this connection between sacredness and separation and how this is true when it comes to any object that we have, any physical object that we, if we hold it sacred, it means that we're going to separate it in some way. We're not going to use it all the time. This is true when it comes to a husband and wife and to a bride and a groom. You know that when a groom chooses his bride, he's making her separate from all other other men and taking him to himself. And then we talked about how this is a really apt analogy for God and how God chooses us, the Jewish people, and separates us from amongst all the other nations and we become his nation. And that the way that this like uh, sanctification happens and that this union happens is through the mitzvahs. And so when we perform God's mitzvahs, we actually connect to God, we get elevated to God's level and we get encompassed in God. Our souls become encompassed in God. And even if this isn't re readily apparent when we do this, like we don't all experience this like euphoria, you know, necessarily when we perform a mitzvah, it is happening. And this is, and this is why the sages set it up that we actually have to stand in front of anybody, regardless of who that person is, when they are doing a mitzvah. Because at the moment that the person is doing a mitzvah, then God is actually inside of that person is 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 in their soul god is dwelling inside of their soul at that moment it's just that we don't necessarily feel it or that person doesn't necessarily fear it feel it because because of the coarseness of the body so that's it for today and we will continue along these lines tomorrow when we actually conclude this chapter and i'll speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.